0: We're ready. Good morning everyone. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so excited to have you here today to be in God's house and to praise His name. you all ready to sing some praises to the Lord? Amen. Amen. Let's stand up and praise together.
1: no greater name the name of jesus christ our lord and savior hey would you do me a favor look around you find somebody you're not sure who they are and just introduce yourself okay take a minute say welcome to first baptist church glad to have you here today I guess you're through. Okay. All right. We're glad to have you here. If you're here for the first time at First Baptist Church, we really appreciate the fact that you're here. Now, if you'll do me a favor, and how many years, eight years I've been saying, please fill out one of the visitor cards, and sometimes people go, nah, they're going to sell our information to some timeshare group somewhere. (laughs) The only timeshare we have is Eternity in Heaven, and that's free. So that's the only one we have. But if you will fill out one of these in the seat back in front of you as a first-time guest and put your information on here, I will promise to send you a Starbucks gift card so you can utilize that to get your Go Power in the morning. So go ahead, and I know we have several visitors, so go ahead and fill that out. And what do you do with it once you fill it out? Where Gary is right now with the yellow shirt right back here to his to his right is a little box on a stand. You can put it in there. That's where members put their tithes and offerings. But as a guest, we just want you to fill out your connection card, put it in there. Or you can give it to one of us or give it to Gary, and we'll take care of it from there. Uh, today, let's, uh, what about divine healing and divine healers? Uh, that's the subject of the message today. So if you're here uh, by way of YouTube or Facebook, thank you so much for coming today. We hope that soon you'll be able to be here in the service physically. <clears throat> we have a military lunch afterwards. All those active duty on the patio have a free lunch. And then I have a trustee meeting. Trustees are going to eat with you guys and gals out on the patio. Then we're going to go into the room over here and have a short meeting. Uh, next Sunday being men of courage on Father's Day. What a better what better time to preach on being men of courage, than on Father's Day. So I hope you'll be here. Bring your dad, uh, bring that significant guy in your life here at church. We'd love to have him here. And then church barbecue on June the 25th. And these uh, are sign-up cards to bring. Uh, We're going to have hot dogs and hamburgers, so it's going to be a summer barbecue. Uh, But if you'd like to bring a side dish or desserts, please go ahead and sign up so we know what we have Uh, That'll be on the 25th, right after the morning service, and everyone is invited to that. I want to mention also, we still have four Basque students. What are they? What's a Basque student? Someone from Spain who probably doesn't know the Lord as their personal Savior yet, but has elected to sign up to come to SUSA, which is Summer, United States of America, which is an opportunity for them to be like a foreign exchange student for one month. So it's, it's mainly, it's the very end of June to the very end of July. There are activities planned. You don't have to, it's not like you're babysitting or have to create some kind of something going on for these kids. Uh, there's a lot of activities that are planned. It would mean uh, letting them stay at your house. So we have one, um, one, uh, we have one guy and three girls or three guys and one girl. Hmm. I'm not sure. David, do you know? Is David here? No. Okay. Huh? A guy and three girls? Okay. Thank you, Bo. A guy and three girls. So if you have the opportunity to take someone, let me know today. We'll get a hold of Chris and let him know that. We want to pray for Donna Rupley, who's been having some real tough times physically. Uh, So I'm going to have a word of prayer for her. But also, I want you to pray for uh, Nick, his good friend, Jim Rousseau, who went to church here years ago. Some of you will know Jim Rousseau uh, passed away. And so Nick is over in, I think it's the Mesa, taking care of some uh, business there with uh, with that loss of, of his friend. So uh, let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. And as, if you have a special need today, something that's heavy on your heart, uh, just indicate with an uplifted hand just for a moment. Hold it up. Say, I've got something on my heart. God bless you. There's several, lots of people here. All right. Our Father, before we do anything else, we want to just acknowledge you are the most important Person in our entire lives. Lord, you're the one who loves us. You're the one who sought us out. You're the one who gave us the opportunity of having everlasting life because you allowed your son to die on the cross for our sins to pay the price. Father, so because of that, when we have a loved one who professes faith in Christ like Jim Rousseau, we know that the loss is ours and the gain is his and that he's with you forevermore. Father, we're thankful for the promise you give us of eternal life through Jesus Christ and not dependent upon our good works, not dependent upon our church membership. It's dependent upon the finished work of Christ on the cross and in that tomb and rising from the dead. So we thank you, Lord, for the promises that we have. We pray that you'd be with uh, any family members that might be around that Jim has and give him peace and comfort and comfort Nick and others who are good friends with him. And, And Father, then too, we pray for Donna that you would heal her God, we pray that you would help the doctors to be able to figure out what's wrong. It goes right with the message today. Lord, we, we know that there's a, such a thing as divine healing, and so we ask that you would be the one who would be the agent, the capital A, in her life, and that you would give her physical health, we pray. Father, bless us as we continue to worship you in song, and we'll thank you for all you're going to do in Jesus' name. And all the people said... Amen. Would you stand as we continue to worship the Lord together? Thank you so much, praise team, for leading us in that worship. All we have is Christ. We are rich, absolutely rich. Thank you, praise team, so much. You may be seated. Boys and girls, before you go to your class, would you come right down here for just a minute? I want to tell you something that I hope you'll always, always remember, and while the boys and girls of First Baptist Church are coming up here to the front, I'd invite everyone else to the Gospel of Mark chapter 1. The Gospel of Mark chapter 1, verse 29, I believe is where I'm starting, but we'll figure that out in just a moment. But first of all, boys and girls, I hope that none of you have ever been really, 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 really sick. And I hope that nobody in your family has ever been really, 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 really sick. So if we do get sick, what should we do? What's something we should do if we get sick? Pray. Pray. You pray. You, pray. That's, you went right to the heart of the matter. Holy cow, that's exactly right. I was going to kind of ease into that because I'd say, first of all, you tell your mommy or your daddy, I'm sick and I don't feel good. And maybe you'd have to go to the doctor and maybe the doctor would give you a pill to take or maybe he would give you a shot. How many like shots? Just one of us here, okay, and, and, and then pray, and then that was what I was gonna say, but the kids went right to the heart of the matter, except you come as a little child, folks, and, and you know what? Thank you so much for that, because that's the main thing, so, so there's no problem with going to the doctor. It's not a sin. It's not wrong to go to the doctor. It's not wrong to take medicine. It's not wrong to get a shot if you need one or have surgery, but it's always, always, always important to pray and to ask God to be our healer because he's the one who forgives all of our sins and heals all of our diseases. Now, I got one more thing to tell you, boys and girls. Listen up closely because you'll, you'll need to know this for life. God doesn't always heal. And it's kind of sad, but God doesn't always heal. Sometimes our loved ones get sick and they go to heaven, and sometimes our pets get sick and they don't get well. So God doesn't always heal, but the ultimate healing, the best healing of all... Is when we are in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ forever and ever and ever, and will never, ever get sick again. Not a tummy ache, not a cold, not a COVID-19, 20, 21, 22, or 23, <laughs> nothing will be with the Lord forever and ever. So be sure to trust God for your salvation and for your healing. Father, I pray that you bless these boys and girls, and I pray that, God, you would keep them safe from injury, from violence from illnesses and diseases, from accidents, from things that happen in a broken world. And Father, if something like that happens to any of us, I pray that we would immediately turn to you like was pointed out just a minute ago, that that's what we need to do is pray. So Father, we pray for them, we pray for their safety, pray for their families, and pray for this service today. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Go ahead and go to your classes. Thank you so much for coming up here. I appreciate you. Uh, Let's give him a hand. Good job. Good job. All right. So we are, for those of you who are visiting for the first time here at First Baptist Church Coronado, we are in a series of lessons on the life of Christ. And what I'm endeavoring to do is to study chronologically the life of our Savior through his, uh, really, he was only on the earth about 33 years, but really, we don't know a lot about anything that happened other than the last three years for the most part. There, were the, there was the birth of Christ we know about. There was the dedication at the temple. Uh, there was the flight to Egypt. There was uh, coming back, returning to Nazareth. There was the time when he was 12 years of age and he reasoned with the doctors and the lawyers and the theologians in the temple. Uh, but then there was not much else until he's about 30 years of age. So we're looking at spring of 31 A.D. in Capernaum, a city that's located on the uh, northwest side of the Sea of Galilee, which is also called what? The Sea of Tiberias, yes, Sea of Galilee, Sea of Tiberius, also called Gennesaret Lake, all three names to one body of water there. But that's where Capri. And this becomes... Nazareth is no longer his home base, okay? Now uh, Capernaum becomes his home base. So this week, we remain in the Gospel of Mark for our main text. Mark chapter 1, verse 29. The, these, with the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke... Uh, Matthew and Luke also cover the same uh, situation, the same events in Mark in Matthew chapter eight and Luke chapter four. John, however, does not cover this particular thing. So we got the synoptic gospels—Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You got John over here. They're they're reporting and recording as the Holy Spirit leads them, and together we get a picture of exactly what happened. So uh, next week, I'm just going to let you know ahead of time we're going to break for Father's Day, preaching a message on uh, being men of courage. And let me share something, if you didn't see it, written by a pitcher from the L.A. Dodgers. Believe it or not, I'm quoting from a Dodgers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he wrote and made public this week. He said, I am disappointed, quote, I am disappointed to see the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence being honored as heroes at Dodger Stadium. Many of their performances are blasphemous, and their work only displays hate and mockery of Catholics and the Christian faith. I understand that playing baseball is a privilege and not a right. My convictions in Jesus Christ will always come first. I love this. Since I have been with the Dodgers, they have been at the forefront of supporting a wide variety of groups, however, inviting the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence to perform disenfranchises a large community and promotes hate of Christians and people of faith. The single event alienates the fans and supporters of the Dodgers, Major League Baseball and professional sports as well. People like baseball for its entertainment value and competition. The fans do not want propaganda or politics forced on them. The debacle with Bud Light and Target should be a warning to companies and professional sports to stay true to their brand and leave the propaganda and politics off the field. I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I believe the word of God is true. And in Galatians 6, 7, it says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. This group openly mocks Jesus Christ, the cornerstone of my faith, he said. And I want to make it clear that I do not agree with nor support the decision of the Dodgers to honor the sisters of perpetual indulgence. And then he quotes Joshua twenty four fifteen. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Uh, and that's Blake. I, I think his name is Trinan. Trinan? Trinan? Something like that. But let's give him a hand. All right. Yeah. A man of courage. <laughs> God give us more dads. God give us more men who will be men of courage. By the way, our our Wednesday night men of resolution study is based on that very idea of being men of courage. So this week, we venture into the field of supernatural healing, uh, and we'll look at divine healings, healings by God. In Mark chapter 1, verse 29, reading from the translation I'm reading from, it says, After Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon Andrew's house. <clears throat> now Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away. So the first point is the Pope's mother-in-law is ill, uh, and and I, I say this with tongue-in-cheek uh, because uh, some people believe that uh, Peter was the first Pope, uh, but they and they based that I believe on a misinterpretation of Matthew chapter 16 verse 18. When Jesus said, "I will build my church upon the rock," he was referring. I think, to himself. He built the church. Jesus is the foundation of the faith. He is the foundation of Christianity. Uh, So Roman Catholic priests were not allowed to marry, even though some did at certain points in history. But Peter was married, uh, and it led to his having a mother-in-law. That's one of the byproducts of getting married, is you have have a mother-in-law. I was blessed with my mother-in-law. Sorry about yours. But anyhow... The only other mention of Peter's wife is in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 5, and he was married at the time of his call. We don't know about the status of the other disciples, but I consider it heretical to consider and to think that Jesus himself was married, as some imply, and say that he was married to Mary Magdalene and so on. There's no support of that whatsoever in the Scriptures in the Word of God. So Jesus... James and John left the synagogue where we talked about last week, where he had been in a spiritual battle with a demon. He cast out a demon. Demonology is a real study. Demons are real things. Satan is a real spirit being. He's a fallen spirit being. Angels are real. They're unfallen spirit beings created by God. And so people were astonished at his ability to cast out the demons, and also they were astonished at his manner of speaking he was very loving and his manner of speaking, the doctrine that he taught. And he did all of this on the Sabbath. Uh, so the issue of healing on the Sabbath would be addressed here and again later in the third chapter of Mark. You see, what was against, some of the things that were against the Sabbath laws were not scriptural prohibitions, they were rabbinical prohibitions. Uh, some of the Jews had made up more things. Uh, and, and laid those heavy burdens upon the people, saying that you, you, uh, you shouldn't work on Sabbath. That was something that was created for the Jewish people. But they went beyond that and, and made all kinds of uh, limitations. So in a moment, we'll see that uh, a lot of the Jews wait until after sundown to bring their diseased and demon-possessed family members and friends to Jesus after the word gets out what he did. Uh, the reason they do that is because they're still obeying the rabbinical law of uh, uh, the Sabbath. And the Sabbath ended at 6 p.m. or at sundown. Uh, So Jesus sees no need to wait, however. He's acting out of the norm of other rabbis. So the four disciples are his entire entourage at this time, uh, and others would be added soon, but not yet. So Peter's mother-in-law was in bed, and, and Luke Sheds a little bit more light on this fever. He says it was with a great fever in Luke chapter 4, verse 28, the cause of which we're not made aware. Now, fevers were very, uh, could be very, very serious and even fatal maladies in Jesus' day. This was way before antibiotics. I was born before antibiotics. I remember when Doctor Salk became, and where I grew up, there's there's there are things named in his honor. We have stuff right out here in California named in his honor. But he discovered uh, penicillin, I believe it was. And so uh, this was before antibiotics. This was before steroids. Uh, this was before NSAIDs were available. Uh, hey, I don't know how many of you know the story of Knut Rock Rockney. I didn't realize that's the way you pronounce it. Knut Rockney. We watched a film from 19. 19- 40 on Canute Rotten it is a great film, but it was based on the Gipper who passed away at 22 or three, four years of age because of infection. And so, uh, so this, this was, fevers could be very, very dangerous and even fatal. It meant there was an infection somewhere going on. And if that person wasn't healed of whatever infection was going on, they very well could die. And so, at any rate, in verse 30, they told Jesus about her right away. And so, what about Jesus' actions toward her? Mark chapter 1, verse 31. So he went to her bedside. The Bible says he took her by the hand and he helped her sit up. Then the fever left her, and she prepared a meal for them. There are no incantations mentioned here. There are no special commands. There are no, There's no interaction with demons or or, or a demon other than what Luke says in Luke chapter 4, verse 38. He stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. But I want you to notice something here. Jesus touched her. She was, she was sick of the fever. She was probably contagious. Jesus touched her. He wasn't afraid to do so. He wasn't reluctant to do so. He took her by the hand, and he had her set up, and she was healed. He healed her with his touch. There was no fanfare. There was no lengthy prayer. There were no magic formulas employed. There was a simple act of touching her hand and rebuking the fever, and it was gone. So this this will become a frequent action in Mark's gospel uh, in eight or nine different places that I have listed here. If you're interested, I'll give you those references uh, of where Jesus is touched by someone or he touches someone, and they become healed. So uh, the healing was instantaneous, by the way. She sat up. And, and got up and prepared a meal. It was complete. There was no convalescence that was required. And with such a healing, she was able to go about her domestic duties right away. Now, some of you ladies will find it, you know, ironic. <clears throat> She's sick in bed with a fever. Jesus comes in and says, you're healed. Now go fix dinner. Uh, <clears throat> I'm, not, I'm not sure that's exactly how it worked. Uh, but maybe it was just to show that she's, you know, if she's like, like a lot of mother-in-laws, she's like, hey, let me go ahead and cook. I'm going to cook for you. Uh, her grandparents, her grandma in particular, she would, she would hustle about the kitchen. She weighed about, I don't know, 75 pounds, and she would run all over and, run and prepare everything, put everything on the table. She wouldn't sit down and eat. She would just have us eat, and then she would eat afterwards. Uh, and her mom was always about the same way. Uh, saying she would fix for us. Uh, and so this is maybe something built into mother's in-law, I don't know. Uh, but God bless you, I'm glad. Uh, and so, so the thing is, Jesus' touch is a healing agent. How many remember the gospel song from, I think, the 70s, He Touched Me? How many remember that? The rest of you, bless your heart, you've been brought up on pablum, I'm telling you. Uh, this this he touched me stuff was good stuff, and and so he can heal us physically. He can heal us physically. And and any I'm gonna say it again. I say it several times this morning. Any physical healing from any physical disease is a divine healing. God is the healer. Secondly, he can heal us emotionally. He can. He can. He can stabilize our emotions. He can take the anxiety out of our minds and hearts he can get rid of the fears he can get rid of the uh, the questions and the concerns and, and and all of that he can emotionally um, make us uh, give us peace like a river he can heal mentally i believe that jesus can heal mentally and mental problems and defects i think god uh, can can give us the victory in he can heal us morally certainly he can heal us spiritually we who were dead and now are alive again because of the power of the Christ and of the God, the Father, and God, the Holy Spirit, to heal us from our sin sickness and and give us a whole new lease on life and make us a new creature. So my question to you this morning is, has he healed you? Has he healed you? Now, first of all, physically, I believe he has, or you wouldn't be here because probably everybody's had something by this point in life that could have potentially taken our lives But God healed you physically, no doubt. The greatest healing I I will submit to you is spiritual healing. I think spiritual healing is much greater than physical healing. And we're going to learn about that here in in, in this passage in just a moment. And Jesus, uh, the reason I believe that is I think Jesus believes the same way. Uh, So we're moved from death to life to eternal life by uh, this relationship we have with Christ. The third point is this, the crowd's appearance. In Mark chapter 1, verse 32, that evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed demoniac people were brought to Jesus, and the whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Now, Matthew 8, 17 is a reference to the Old Testament prophet in Isaiah chapter 53 when it says he took our infirmities and and bore our diseases. Uh, While Jesus was not reluctant to heal on the Sabbath, even if it was against rabbinical rules, the public came after sundown, the beginning of the new day for the Jews, the first day of the week. So the whole, turn t- the whole town turned out, or the whole turn turned out. Uh, either way, it works with me. Uh, and bringing their sick and demon-possessed family and friends to the healer. So there's a variety of diseases. Some, no doubt, had um, probably fevers. Some perhaps were blind. Some perhaps were deaf. Some perhaps were unable to walk. We have examples of Christ healing every one of these infirmities. Uh, we have him healing uh, demoniacs by casting out demons. Uh, so there were numerous devils or demons to dispatch, and the devils came out of many, Luke chapter 4 says, and the demons were forbidden to let people know who Jesus was. Now, why would he do that? He would cast the demons out and he said, don't tell anybody who I am. Don't tell me that. <clears throat> Luke's contribution uh, adds that the demons cried out specifically, thou art the son of God, because the demons knew who Christ was. And I say once again, There are no atheists in the ranks of demons. Every demon knows that Jesus is really the son of God. Every demon knows that they're up against someone who's going to get the final victory one day. Every one of them is hoping against hope that their leader, Satan, will somehow turn the tables, but he will not. The fourth point is this, the four disciples' first tour. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 35, in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. This became a common practice for our Lord. He would get up early. He would get alone, just him and his heavenly Father, and he would pray. He would talk to his heavenly Father. And so my question is, if it's good enough for Jesus, I think it should be good enough for us that we should get up, we should find a place where we have, I have my quiet time. I have my quiet time right down in my kitchen. That's where I do. I'm there. I tell the pups, leave me alone. And so all the puppies leave me alone, sort of. And I eat my breakfast and I go over some things with the mail. Then I get in my you version, uh, com, the Bible reading program. They've got some things there, some key things to help you with understanding the verse of the day. Uh, they got a verse of the day, understanding the verse of the day better, uh, how to pray specifically on that particular day is kind of a guidance that leads you into a, an active prayer life uh, with the Lord. And, uh, and then it goes ahead and, uh, and makes the application. You read the, the references uh, of the Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs. Every single day, and that's my that's my time. That's my routine. That's when I do that. My wife uh, does hers at night. She's 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 not alone. I'm there, but I'm she may as well be alone because I'm done for. Uh, I, I used to like to. Bo, did you ever like to stay up late back in the old days? Yeah. Well, uh, those old days are long gone, and about. <laughs> If I'm sitting there watching one of her Hallmark movies about 8.15, to 8.30, I'm fighting, the, uh, falling asleep. I already know what's going to happen. I can tell her exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> she knows what's going to happen. Even the people on TV know what's going to happen, but it, we go ahead and watch it, and I fight and fight and fight and fight that. But I go to sleep. She has her time when she reads her Bible and when she prays and talks to the Lord. So it's something that we ought to do, and if you're not doing it, please, please, please do it. Find a time. Find a place. If you don't schedule time with God, it won't happen. It's like I've been getting, trying to get together with, uh, with Gary and, and, and Grant, and we want to go do some shooting, some shooting stuff. And, and we've been trying for about a year and a half, I think, to do that. So we've got to get it on the calendar, Gary. We've got to do it. And just get it on the calendar, because if it gets on the calendar, it'll get done. If we don't get it on the calendar, it won't get done. So, so here's Jesus, common practice, seek the Lord early, pray to his Father. Here's a question for you. Wait a minute. If Jesus is God, why is he praying to himself? That's weird. I had some Jehovah's Witnesses down at Spiro's one Sunday morning that tried to engage me in some theological conversation, and she was trying to prove that Jesus was not God because she said, he prayed to the Father. I said, yeah, well, you talk to yourself sometimes. (laughs) She said, that's silly. I said, well, you do. I do too, don't I? Yes, I do. I I don't have a problem with it. No, I don't either. (laughs) In fact, she walked by me a second time and was like, you're so silly. (laughs) But Jesus First of all, the Holy Trinity was God's idea. It wasn't a man's idea. So the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, God's idea. This Trinity that we can't explain in any physical way, because it is, after all, an infinite God, right? So we have these, you know, we say, well, at Thirty-two degrees. There's the solid ice. There's the liquid ice that's just melted. There's the vapors going off the top. All three are present, but they're all distinct from each other. We say the egg. You know, you got the shell. You got the white. You got the yolk. But they're all. You separate out the yolk if you're making certain kind of baking goods that are worthless as far as eating is concerned. You you take the the yolk out. Give me the yolk. Yeah, I'll will eat I'll eat that. But. Uh, but you can't, you can't separate the Trinity. You cannot take the Son from the Father, the Father from the Son, the, the Father from the Holy Spirit. The triune God is one Lord and one God. Elohim, in the beginning God, Elohim, the plural. Remember that? Elohim, plural noun, to a unit uh, called the Trinity, and so God is the one who designed the Trinity, uh, and, and Jesus shows us that we have to have a time to to get alone with the Father, and he shows us uh, that he needs to, we need to glorify the Father because Jesus in his humanity glorified the Father, and the Holy Spirit glorified the Son. That's the way the Trinity works. That's the way God designed it, so Jesus is showing us the necessity of communicating with the Father. And again, it is a valid point. We do talk to ourselves. Does I, 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 anybody here talk to yourself besides me? Thank you. Thank you. I was getting a little, I was looking a little worried. I was looking, some of you are going like, uh, okay, all right. So, Jesus' public ministry was going to be demanding and intense and great ministry requires great anointing from the Lord. You have a great ministry of some kind, you need you you need to be praying even more so that God would bless you. In Mark chapter 1, verse 36, later, Simon and the others went out to find him. He was out praying to the Father, and when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. So he went all around in that area, kind of like our counties or, I don't know, maybe small states, and he was preaching everywhere he went, and he was healing people everywhere he went, and he was casting out demons everywhere he went. And so what follows is a, a, a lot of miracles, uh, and the, the leper being healed, the, the crowds of people being healed, um, the lowering, we'll find out, of, of of the crippled man, the palsied man in peter 's house coming through the roof, the casting out of demons, all of this i 'm not going to preach a sermon on every single healing because that would be that would be a year 's worth of calendar right there all by itself. but I do have one more point I want to cover that I think is relevant for today and important for us to understand that is the healings and the healers of God. I absolutely. Don't go out of here and say, a preacher doesn't believe in God's healing. I absolutely believe in, the, in divine healing, uh, but not so much in divine healers today. And let me clarify. What is divine healing? First of all, we need some kind of a definition. One of them is divine healing involves a supernatural act. Can we agree with that? A divine healing, supernatural act, which resolves a physical, emotional, or spiritual problem. In a Christian context, the supernatural element is God. And many times, through the agency of the Holy Spirit, these things are accomplished. So that's kind of a working definition. Years might be a little bit different, but probably divine healing is going to involve a divine deity, right? Going to involve God and something that's transformed or changed. Now, it's interesting that most of the world's major religions believe in some kind of supernatural healing. Islam uses incantations... To cure disease by countering black magic and casting out what they call jinn, J-I-N-N, not Jim, J-I-N-N, jinn. Okay, if your name's Jin, I'm sorry. Uh, Tibetan, Tibetan Buddhists employ elements of medicine, a mantra, and meditation together. Those who hold to pantheism, the idea that God is everywhere in everything, uh, New Age philosophies or or cosmic humanism use a wide variety of techniques uh, from ancient religions and the occult. Crystals are very important to some for their healing values and and practical uh, applications. So the constant among all of the ideas about divine healing is the necessity of ritual, Healing in the non-Christian religion's view requires physical uh, ritual in order to to coerce or convince a deity, their deity, uh, to manipulate uh, and to change the circumstances. Uh, Approximately one-fifth of the gospel, according to some commentators, approximately one-fifth of the gospel narrative is devoted to Jesus' healing ministry. At the start of the ministry, the Bible says he went throughout Galilee healing in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people, Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Later, he sends out his 12 disciples basically to do the same thing. So, so what's wrong? Okay, preacher, now we're 2,000 years into this, and, and the disciples were sent out with healing powers. Do we have healers today? Do we have people today who can touch someone like Jesus did, Peter's mother-in-law, and that person would be healed? Do we have someone today who has this divine connection to where uh, they can, uh, they can by, by their presence and by, maybe by their touching or whatever, they have the power to heal today? My answer to that is I do not believe so. Concerning divine healing today, there are two different schools of thought, main schools of thought. There is, first of all, that the gift of healing, special healing and healers, hence, ceased along with the sign gifts of tongues and some of the other charismata or the charismatic gifts. Those people are called cessationists. So, um, others, Christians believe that the sign gifts are still in use today. I am a cessationist. I, I don't believe that people have the power to heal in the same way that Peter, James, John, Jesus had in Jesus' day to go around healing people. I think it would be great if they did. Uh, if I had the gift, I knew someone, I would say, go to Cornell Hospital, go from room to room. Jesus went all over in Galilee healing, the Bible says, in that whole region, that whole area. He didn't just heal one or two people. He healed a bunch of people. Uh, And and I would would go over there if we had the gift of divine healing. Um, Having said that, God has not lost his power to heal at all, nor has his love for people diminished in the least. So divine healing may come through traditional medicines. God's the one who created our bodies to respond to certain chemicals in a certain way. And so, since we're made from the crust of the earth, the elements of the earth sometimes are used to help us to correct something that's wrong. So, medicines or direct intervention by God, either way, is divine healing. If God uses medicine, if God uses a doctor who who can perform a surgical procedure and extend your life out, if, if God chooses to heal you without surgery without medicine without any of that it's all up to him uh, wholeness may not come and will not come to any of it. I'll just say forget the may not wholeness complete wholeness will never come to us until we're with the Lord in heaven forever and ever God is the great physician and all healing physical spiritual emotional belongs to him now why would I say uh, I don't believe in so much in divine healers today uh, Universal among so-called divine healers is the idea that there's complete healing of all diseases immediately available to all believers because of Christ's atoning death. I don't believe that. Every one of the disciples died. Jesus died. Um, I don't believe that healing is universal and, and to every disease. Now, this healing is commonly dispensed through the healing hands of individuals, they say, who have the miracles of divine healing. So uh, they, they will, people will go to them. They will uh, seek out these healers. Um, even, even tribes will have these witch doctors and medicine men and uh, sh- uh, something starts with it, sh- sh- shamas and so on who can do. And, and some of that I think some of that, even in the Christian Christian so-called divine healing circles, some of it, there's oppression mentally and spiritually that can cause us physical maladies. Do we agree with that? The the psychosomatic illnesses, that means the the, the illnesses are not organic in origin. They didn't start out because we have an infected gizzard. It started out because our brain uh, is, is thinking wrongly about something or our actions were doing something wrong. And so we reap the consequences of that wrong thinking or wrongdoing, so psychosomatic illness. So the solution, sometimes when someone can can move someone out of that mindset, then there might be a, a temporary relief from that. But that's not the same as divine healing. The only limit on healing, they say, is the believer's lack of sufficient faith. And I say to them, the greatest example in the gospels, in my opinion, of divine healing is when God raised the dead how much faith can a dead person have? And yet Jesus could raise the dead and did on several occasions. Even the apostles could not always heal. Paul talks to Timothy, take a little new wine, grape juice for your maladies. Why couldn't he just heal him? He he didn't have that ability. Epaphroditus, the same thing. Trophimus, the same way. Onesophorus, the same way. So Illnesses, accidents, and violence are all part of living in a fallen, broken world. COVID-19 or whatever it was is part of living in a broken world. Diseases come. Pandemics come. Everyone will experience something bad and probably many bad things in their lifetime. Being sick does not mean that you are being punished necessarily for something. Being, when we get the idea that I've got this terrible dread I've got cancer, so God must be judging me. No, not at all. Not at all. It's part of being a human being in a broken world. That's what it is. God is the great physician. It's a title, one of the titles of our Savior. Illness and demon possessions are two entirely different things, as demonstrated time and time and time again. By our Savior, when he specifically heals people of diseases and casts out demons. But I will conclude with this idea. All true healing is by God. All true healing is by God. And again, heaven is the ultimate healing. So I said last week, I'm not an exorcist. So if you have if your your wife is demon possessed, don't don't bring her to me and say cast her out. Uh, the sons of Skeevy remember they were seen running naked uh, and and bleeding away from the, the demons. I'm not about to do that. Get you in trouble in Coronado to run down the street that way. Some parts of the city you could do that just fine, but not in Coronado. So. Uh, So I'm I'm not an exercise. Neither am I a divine healer, but I'll tell you what, I have seen God heal people. The guy sitting right out there is is one of the examples of the the divine healing of God. Stage four, esophageal cancer. You shouldn't be here, buddy, but you are. People in the other church, you guys know some of them. Uh, uh, Gary's not here today. By the way, we need to pray for Gary Webb too. I, I failed to mention that. He's, He's got some skin cancers he's dealing with. He's had a really rough week uh, taking care of that. So we need to pray for Gary Webb. Uh, but his mom, well, they opened her up, did exploratory so- surgery three and a half hours. They sewed her back up. It came into the waiting room where her husband and her sons and I was there. And the doctor said, we're so sorry. There's not a thing we can do for her. She's too eaten up. Cancer's everywhere. We can't remove it. We can't. We can't do anything with it. We'll try to give her radiation to try to extend her life a little bit. How long was it, babe? How long did it extend her life? 25, 30 years? 25 or 30 years? Because she went back after six months, and they couldn't find the cancer. Yeah. So don't say Jim Bates doesn't believe in divine healing. Absolutely do. I just don't believe that we're apostles today. I don't believe we have the same gifting the same promises that again, when you take the times of miracles out of the you look at it and analyze it the times of miracles are far and few between in the word of God. This 3 years of public ministry was intensive miracle working. Time of Moses intensive miracle working. The time of Elijah and Elisha intensive miracle working. Not so much the rest of the Bible. Not so much. So, if you're sick, pray because God can touch you. If you're emotionally disturbed in some way, pray because God can help you. If you are mentally going through a crisis and difficult, pray. And most of all, if you're not certain that heaven is your home eventually and that you're going to be in heaven forever and ever, let God heal you spiritually. Let him forgive you of your sins and save your never-dying soul today. Would you bow your head, please? Our God in heaven, thank you for your son who died on that cross and was buried in that borrowed grave and rose again on the third day so that we might have everlasting life. And I pray that that would be the first and foremost thought of everyone's heart here today is to make sure that they're healed spiritually, that their sins are forgiven and in the past and that we've become a new creature in Christ to live for you as a new person. Lord, I pray that you would forgive us of all sins. You would cleanse us of all unrighteousness, that you would make us your child, that you would make us, uh, Father, spiritual wanting to obey, trust and obey. And Lord, I pray that you would save souls right now. With every head bowed just for another moment. If you're not certain that if you died, you'd go to heaven, you're just not sure about that, and you'd like for me to pray for you, I won't embarrass you, I won't point you out, I won't call out your name, I may not know your name, but you'd say, preacher, I want you to pray for me because I'm not sure heaven's my eternal home, but I'd like to know that one day. Would you raise your hand up, hold it up for just a moment? God bless you. God bless you. Yes, God bless you. Anyone else besides these? Yes, God bless you and you. All right, anybody else before I pray? Father, I pray for these now who have had the courage to raise their hand, requesting prayer. There's an interest there. There's, there's a concern. They're not certain about their eternal life. And God, I pray that you would show them that you are the only way to an everlasting life. That you are the only one who died for our sins and rose again. That you are the only way. By putting our faith and trust in you, that's the only way we can have everlasting life. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if that's you, I want you to pray, folks, this. I want you to just talk to God right now. He knows what's in your heart and your mind. And say to him, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm going to stand before you one day. And I want Jesus to be my personal Savior. I want him to forgive me of my sins, come into my life, come into my heart and give me everlasting life. I trust him right now as my savior. If you just prayed that prayer, every head still bowed, if you just prayed that prayer and you meant it as sincere as you can be, would you lift your hands up once again? Hold it up high. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. God bless you, folks. Thank you. Put your hands down. Father, thank you for these who prayed that simple prayer. And it's only simple because you did the hard part. You gave your son for us. So thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me, please? On the back table, right by the sound booth, right on that corner, there's some bags with some literature inside. In there is a book on what your next step is if you who prayed that prayer 678 people who just prayed that prayer would you be sure to pick up one of those uh Julie where are you make sure there's more there i think we there, i think there's 4 or 5 there but make sure there's some more there um by the time we get dis- dismissed if you would please oh there you are all right, so yeah, yeah. And, and pick up one of those books for sure. There's some, they're on the table right there. But if there's someone here, you need to come and have prayer. You need some, someone to pray with you. Rachel's back there, ladies. My wife's down here for you ladies. I'm here. Uh, let see, Ryan's right over here. God bless you. So come and let us pray for you. Whatever we can do. If you're interested in being saved, baptized, we've got two people going to be baptized today, and we'd love to take care of baptizing you as well. So as we sing the invitation, would you come right now? be seated for another moment or two. We have two people who are gonna follow their Lord and Believers Baptism and I'm gonna ask first of all Eunice if she would come. You want your shoes on? There you go. Right here. You may be seated. There you go. This is Eunice. Can I tell him you're twenty nine years old? Is that okay? <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Mac, 80 years old, following the Lord and believing his baptism. And the preacher was negligent today. I, I didn't tell Eunice that she needed to bring a change of clothes. So she thought we had the baptismal robes like we had at the other church. huh? And uh, surprise, you're going to get totally wet. So I was telling Mac about that, and he said he can't help you out there. He's sorry, but... So, but Eunice, you received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior a long time ago, right? Long time ago, long time about ago. twenty-five. About 25? Twenty-five years. Yes, yes. God bless you. And I'm so thankful that I've been able to be your pastor for so many years. And thankful for your decision now to obey the Lord and follow Him in believer's baptism. It's a picture of the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It doesn't save us. Jesus is the only one that saves us. So, God bless you. Take a little breath. Amen. God bless you. There we go. Joy. This is Joey Hurst, and Joey's going to follow the Lord in Believer's Baptism. He wants to give a little testimony about his personal relationship with Christ.
2: Hi, Joey Hurst. I just wanted to give a testimony of my life of how Christ saved me from a sinner and made me to who I am today. Yes. I was born and raised in a Christian home and the oldest of seven. I grew up going to church on Sunday and various Bible studies throughout the week. I was taught from a very young age, Biblical doctrine and fundamentals, being brought up in the way I quickly adopted it to fit in. To fit in with my family, to fit in with my friends who are mostly from within the church. However, at the time, I thought that I had a true, genuine relationship with Christ. I started off the beginning of my eighth grade year by getting baptized, more so to appease my parents. I knew it was the first step a believer should take, and thinking I was walking with the Lord, it made sense. Soon after, I fell into sin by lying to my parents about a relationship. I had with a girl at school and kept it from my Again, out of the desire to fit in at home and make my family happy, I ran to the church. I became heavily involved in many different areas, all while thinking and calling myself a believer. As soon as I joined the military, my true nature began to show through. My language turned sour. I gave myself over to pornography, fornication, alcohol, and drugs. When I'd go to church on Sunday mornings, I'd try to pick apart the sermons out of pride and self-righteousness still telling people I was a Christian and dragging the name of Christ through the mud. Shortly after my first deployment, my, my now wife and I began dating and moved in together. Of course, I didn't tell my family this and began a lie saying that our relationship was p- completely biblical. We got married seven months later and began dating, and shortly after our marriage, I left for my second deployment. During this time, she came to know the Lord and for many years after urged me to come forward to my parents about my lie. I rejected the idea and figured that since we were married and we're doing everything biblically now, there was no reason to bring up the past. After my eldest son was born, we decided to move back to California to be around the family. During this time, we were introduced to the navigators group and I began to attend. I sat in a group for the first time. It was as if I truly understood what was being said. The leader of the group was teaching out of 1 John 1, 5 through 10. This, then, is the message which we have heard from him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. That night, I decided to give my life over to Christ, not of a desire to fit in, but because I truly wanted to walk in the light, and no longer walk in the darkness like I was. I wanted to be clean from my sin, to be forgiven and enjoy his love forever. In the days and weeks that followed, the Holy Spirit began a new work inside me. I had an extreme hunger for the word and the pleasures of the world now made me physically ill. I called my parents and confessed my past 10 years of actions and lies and apologized for the hurt it brought them. I had been broken and made a new creation. I'm now a new man in Christ, and my desire is to no longer to fit into this world, but to obey, follow, and do as he commands. Amen. Amen.
1: Talk about a new creature in Christ. Amen. That is one of the best testimonies I've ever heard, Joy. I appreciate you, man. It's humbling to be able to baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bearing the likeness of his death and raised again in the likeness of his glorious resurrection. Amen. God bless you. God bless you, man. Anybody else? I think I think Eunice has a couple of changes of clothes by now. So if you if you're ready. If you would like to be baptized, let me know. We can be and by the way, it was pretty nice right now. It was like I think about 92 degrees, something like that. So not bad at all. Let's stand. We'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. Father, we're so grateful and thankful for Joey and his testimony, for Eunice and her testimony, for their willingness to follow you in believers' baptism for the six or seven or eight hands that went up professing faith in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. God, bless them and grow them. Help them to know what their next step is. Thank you for every visitor. Thank you for every member. Thank you, Father, for the meal that will follow, for all the active military, and for the trustee meeting as we meet together. May we do your business in the right way, we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Have a great Lord's Day. Thank you for being here.